Praise God. You can be seated tonight if you can stand it. <laughs> Aren't you glad to know a living God? <laughs> Praise His name. Sister Tennyson, you might as well just come on. Thank you, worship team. Hallelujah, hallelujah. How great thou art. The love of God. That was making me think of a song we used to sing years ago. How many remembers that old song? The love of God. How rich, how pure. How measureless and strong. It shall forever more endure. The angel saints song. This is my favorite verse. Could we with ink the ocean fill, or were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. We can't understand that kind of love, church. But that's how much he loves us. He loves us tonight. Amen. Wonderful to see you here. Thank you again, Pastor, for the opportunity to come. Glad to see my friend, Pastor Debbie Burnett, and her crew here tonight. We're so glad to have you girls. Thank you so much. Buffalo Singers back there, glad to have you tonight. Appreciate you being here. My brother Rhodes, am I correct? Glad to have you. Brother and Sister Pitts. This brother right here, have I missed anybody? Huh? That's it. Brother, I'm glad to have you. <laughs> Kyle expected you. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you, Brother and Sister Wilson, for driving me. If you appreciate me being here, you may tell them after church or thank them. Amen. They're wonderful people. How many notice there's more ministry than pulpit ministry? They're in the ministry. And we appreciate that so very, very much. Many of you have asked me, and I'm going to clear your mind with this. Sister Tennyson, how old are you? Thank you, whoever. If I live 34 more days, I'm going to be 80 years old. Isn't that wonderful? God's allowed me to live that long. You know, there's a funny thing about age. The only time you want to be younger or you think in fractions is when you're 10 and younger i'm eight and a half i'm nine and a half you've never heard anyone say i'm 40 and a half <laughs> then you become 21 sounds like a we're grown up we become 21 then we turn 30 sounds like bad milk i turn 30 <laughs> then i make it to 40 then i reach 50 then i go on to 60 by that time I built up so much steam, I hit 70. And after I hit 70, I go on into my 80s. And when I get into my 80s, I hit breakfast, I hit lunch, I hit supper, and then I hit bedtime. Amen? If I go into my 90s, I start thinking in fractions again. And especially if I make it over 100. I'm 101 and a half. I'm 102 and a half. The oldest Assemblies of God preacher we had was a lady. She preached until she was 110. If you're thinking of retiring, forget it. 110. She said to me one day at 108, she said, I went to my class reunion last month and I was the only one there. Thank the Lord that he allows us to live like this. Amen? I appreciate it so much. Some of you are wondering, is this my hair? Yes, it is. I don't care what color it turns as long as it don't turn loose. Amen? These are my teeth because I have the receipt for them. <laughs> Anything I buy, I feel like belongs to me. But the most important thing I have to tell you, I was saved at the age of seven. Filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit at the age of 10. And it's more real tonight than it was 70 years ago. Amen. Hallelujah. The power of God has not changed in my life. 
still just as real or more real than it was 70 years ago. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Didn't they do an excellent job bringing us into the presence of God? Folks, we can be brought into his presence, but we haven't worshiped until we respond. I have to respond to his presence. I was talking with Pastor Debbie tonight. You know, the only indication of our identification is the presence of God. God said, Moses, I'm going to let you go, but I'm not going to go with you. And Moses said, permission's not enough. How will they know that we're your people unless you're in the midst of us? That's the only way that we're identified is he's in the midst of us. Folks, we're the ones that bring the presence and the power of God into the house of God. God's presence doesn't inhabit inanimate things. Not the musical instrument, not the chairs, anything. It's in us. We bring it into the house of God. And we need to come into the house of God with the attitude, God, I want to bring your presence into the house of God. So we begin in the beginning with worship. And knowing the people will know that you are there. Amen? Turn with me to John chapter 11. I'm going to have to have my extra set of glasses over here. I told them this morning, you know you have an old evangelist when she has to use two pair of glasses. <laughs> John chapter 11. This is where Lazarus has died and Jesus is late. Let's begin with the 20th verse, John 11:20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And she saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when he had said so, she went away and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. Let's go down to verse 39. Jesus said, Take away the stone, Martha, the sister of him that was dead. Saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he's been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Say I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hearest me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said that they may believe that thou sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he said, cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus saith unto them, Loose him, and let him go. Pastor Deborah, stand and ask God to anoint me, please. Yes, God. Yes, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. That's right. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I want to minister to you tonight on this subject. There's a miracle in the making. How many needs a miracle? Amen. Folks, I want to tell you something. Individually, we need miracles. Church-wise, we need miracles. Country-wise, we need some miracles. And we serve, as we sung about him tonight, we serve a big God. We serve one that still works miracles if we'll once again believe in a God that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now look at the scene I'm, that we're preaching on tonight. 
Lazarus is dead. Jesus is late. Martha's mad. Mary's sad. And the crowd's puzzled. And eventually Jesus arrives. Lazarus is dead. Jesus is late. Martha's mad. Mary's sad. And the crowd's puzzled. And Martha said to Jesus, if you'd have been here, what did Martha know that we know? It makes a difference when his presence is there. If you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. Number one step to a miracle. You can write it down tonight. Number one step to a miracle is trust in his promise. What did Jesus say to Martha? Thy brother shall rise again. Listen to me tonight. What his uh, lips promises, his hands can perform. And we need to get that in our spirit and in our heart. Folks, it's always promised before performance. And when he makes us a promise, you can take that promise to the bank. You'll know without a doubt God is working. God will work in that situation. But here's the situation with promises. Included in promises are problems, rest stops, and seasons. He may make you a promise, but it may not come to pass the next day. How many knows he promised Abraham and Sarah a son? It didn't happen the next nine months. How many knows they went through some seasons? Let's deal with that a minute tonight. Seasons are certain, church, but they're not final. And I want this in your spirit tonight. We give up many times during the season. God makes us a promise. It don't come to pass when we think it should come to pass. It's not God's promises or we have problem with or His answers. It's His timing. That's what we have problem with. It's the timing. So it doesn't come to pass. We go through a season. As I said, seasons are certain, but they're not final. And we've got to say in our spirit, God, I'm going through a season, but I know when this season is over, the promise you made me will come to pass. God said to Noah, it's going to rain. It didn't start raining the next day. Amen? Noah went through a season of a hundred and something years, but he just kept on saying, I've got a promise. I've got a promise. I've got a promise. Folks, Noah preached 120 years, had seven people saved. Send that into the Pentecostal evangel. If, yeah, if we had one. Revival report. But folks, he had a promise. I want you to get this in your spirit tonight. We've got to say, God, I'm still trusting in your promise. What his lips promises, his hands can perform. Do, if you try to force the season, if you can't get a hold of the season, you're going to try to force the promise. Do you realize Jacob and his mother forced the promise of Almighty God? It was already declared that Jacob was going to be the leader. Jacob was going to be the head of him and Esau. But his mother, Rebekah, and Jacob could not wait for the promise, so they tried to make it happen. Abraham and Sarah did the same thing. They could not go through the season. When God makes you a promise, and I want this in your spirit tonight, you've got to go through the season. If it don't happen the next day, you may say, I've got a promise. It's not happened today, but I'm going to go through the season, folks. Let me tell you something. A farmer is never frustrated by the season. Fruit's automatic if you'll just stay planted. We cannot understand the season. We get frustrated during the season. We want to give up during the season. You know, there's ministers. They will go to a minister's meeting. And you will hear some of the ministers saying, Oh, God's blessing. We're growing. Finances are great. People are getting saved. People are getting filled. And you're thinking... It's not happening in my place. Why? You're in the planning season. How many's hearing me tonight? You're in the planting season. They're in the harvest season. One day, your seed is coming up, and you will harvest what you've planted. 
But don't give up because of the season. Say, God, you've made me a promise. I'm going to hold on to the promise because I believe in the word of Almighty God and your word is true and I know what you say will come to pass. I may be going through a season, but this season's going to be over because it's not final. There's winter, there's spring, there's summer, and there's fall. But folks, we cannot remain in a season to grow. We've got to leave a season so we can go ahead and grow in Almighty God. Oh, shout a little bit now, church. Amen. You've got to say, God, I will go through the season. David was anointed king long before he took the throne. But he went through the season. How many knows he could have killed Saul and ascended to the throne a lot sooner? But he said, no, I will not touch God's anointed. My season will be over. And the promise he's made me will come to pass. God promised Joseph, or Jacob, he'd be buried in the homeland. Folks, didn't start out the next day. But he said, when you leave Egypt, come back here and pick up my bones. How many of those bones crossed the Red Sea? Those carried those bones for 40 years. Probably said, whose day is it to pack the bones? <laughs> Somebody got to pair the bones. How many of those bones crossed the Jordan River? But folks, they were buried in the homeland. Why? God made him a promise. God makes you a promise. And it will come to pass. Just as you go, you, you may go through a season, but don't get discouraged or give up. I'm trying to emphasize this in your spirit. We got people that get discouraged, that get down, that want to give up during the season because they feel like the promise is not coming to pass. Folks, I want to tell you something. Time or whatever does not have the power to circumvent what God's already decided before time. Amen? It does not. And we've got to get this in our spirit that we still serve a sovereign God and what God has promised will come to pass. Jesus is coming again. He made us a promise. He's not here yet but he's coming. Amen. Hallelujah. Get this in our spirit. Folks, let's go through the season. When we, when we have a promise we've got to say God we're going through the season. 1980 one Sunday morning while I was passionate at Radcliffe. Some of you may have heard me tell this. <clears throat> After the service, one of the prayer warriors, prayer warriors in our church came to me and said, Sister Tennyson, while pastor was preaching this morning, and for you that may not know, uh, three years ago in April, I lost my precious, I didn't lose him, but he went on to be with the Lord. He left me for a better man. That's what he did. <laughs> he went on to be with the Lord. But lady said to me, while pastor was preaching this morning, I saw what looked like an octopus came out of the ceiling, dropped on top of his head, wrapped the tentacles around his forehead, and began to squeeze the life out of him. She said, I began to pray in the spirit. What did I tell you this morning? It's important we pray in the Spirit. Why? Because we're restricted by the limitations imposed on us by our knowledge. And it keeps self from dominating the prayer as we pray in the Spirit. And she said, as I began to pray in the Spirit, I saw what looked like a piranha. Came along, ate the tentacles off that octopus. It dried up and fell off his head. Do you know what that means? I said, no, I don't, but I'll share it with my husband. I shared it with him, and he said, honey, we'll put it in memory bank. God is trying to tell us something. 1981 January, I noticed a place on the side of his forehead that would not heal. And the reason I noticed it, because I combed his hair. All of our dating and married life 
The first date we had, he came in to pick me up, and I said to him, let me have your comb and rearrange your hair. And I said to myself, Pastor, this is the man I want. He's going to be easy to train. <laughs> so I rearranged his hair. So I was combing his hair, and I noticed this place. And I said, Daddy, what is this on the side of your forehead? He said, I think it was a pimple. And when I pinched it, it just won't heal. So I said to him, I'm going to make an appointment with a dermatologist. We're going to go in and see what this is about. We went in, he did all the necessary tests, and he said, Reverend, I'll call you back when the results come in. He called him back on a uh, Monday, said, I need to see you in here tomorrow. He said, I have the results back. We went in, and he said, uh, Reverend, the x-ray and the biopsy agree. You have a mass in your brain that looks like an octopus. It's squeezing the life out of you. And if we don't do surgery, you will not live a year. But if we do do surgery, it may explode. He said, what do you want me to do? My husband said, give me 30 days to pray. He said, Reverend, you're dealing with death. And he said, I just need 30 days to pray. We left that office, I was crying. And I said, Daddy, did you hear what he said? And he said, yes, but did you hear what he said? He said, it looks like an octopus. If there's an octopus, there's a piranha somewhere. And we're going to find it. And we're going to find it. Our precious church prayed 30 days, 24 hours a day. Somebody was in the building praying for their pastor's healing. Folks, I want to tell you something. Look at me carefully. We need some more altar services like that. We need to get serious once again about the things of God and just say and pray for this or pray for that. Who's praying for these people? Somebody was in the building and my husband said, I'm holding on to a promise. And I said, what promise you're holding on to? And he said, God told me the other day, I'm not ready to take you, but when I do get ready, I'll let you know. And he's not going to take me yet. The doctor said, he, my husband said, I'll be back in 30 days to let you re-examine me. We went back after 30 days. He did all the necessary tests, came out and said, Sir, I don't know how to tell you this, but it looks like a piranha has come along, eating the tentacles off of that octopus, and it has dried up. There is no malignancy in your brain. Folks, that was in 1981, and he lived till 2019. What am I saying? We went through a season. But folks, we held on to the promise of Almighty God. And I'm telling you tonight, do not give up during the season. We can listen to the news. We can listen to people. We can listen to circumstances. And we can become discouraged. Or we can get into the word of Almighty God and say, God, I've got a promise. Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I am the Lord and I fail not. If we'll get a hold of the promises of Almighty God, whatever we're facing, whatever we're going through, whatever it looks like, we can say I'm holding on to the word of Almighty God. And we're going to let God work in our situation. Get a hold of that and say, God, seasons are certain, but they're not final. I have a promise. I'm not going to give up during the promise. Many of you have promises you're holding on to. How many's holding on to unsaved loved one promise? How many's holding on to revival in your church? Are you holding on to that promise? You may be going through a season right now, sweetheart, but you hold on. You be faithful. That promise will come to pass. Don't you give up during this season. And say, God, it doesn't look like it. But I'm going to hold on to the promise. Number two. Not only did he say, trust in my promise. 
But he said, turn to my person. I'm the resurrection and the life. Martha said, I know he'll rise again at the last day of the resurrection. Church, the resurrection is not a day or an event. It's a person. It's somebody I celebrate every day of the year, not one time a year. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Turn unto me. Martha, if you can't trust in my time and trust in my character, I'm getting ready to show you my divinity. Trust in who I am. I'm the resurrection and the life. And folks, a pastor said a while ago, there's no one like him. Honey, he's not one of a kind. He's the only one of the only kind. I'm one of a kind, thank God. But he's the only one of the only kind. Never has one lived or ever will live like Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. As we get it in our spirit and in our heart, folks, he died. He rose again. How do we know? Gabriel announced it. Oh, Satan challenged it. Demons acknowledged it. The high priest was convinced of it. Peter acclaimed it. The centurion knew it. And the resurrection approved it. Amen. He lived, he died, and he rose again. His name is Jesus. Turn to his person. Look unto him. I preached Acts 6-4 conference on this subject. It's not the how, but the who. How many knows we get so caught up in the how? How am this going to work? How can I work this out? How can I make this happen? That's not your job. You turn to the who. Results is not up to you. When God makes you a promise, you don't have to bring anything to pass. God brings it to pass. And we need to get it in our spirit and say we're going to turn to his person. Looking unto him, the author and the finisher of our faith. Let him be what he wants to be in your life. We still serve a supernatural God. One that I can't explain. Because he is supernatural. Let's ask some folks tonight if they know him. Natural law, do you know him? I know him. He defied the law of reproduction. The law of reproduction says a man and a woman should come together in holy matrimony and reproduce life. But God had the Holy Spirit to go overshadow a little virgin by the name of Mary. She rode that boat, or he rode that boat for nine long months. Finally landed on the shore of Bethlehem. He's been around a long time. He's Abraham's ram, Isaac's well, Jacob's ladder, Samuel's horn of oil, John the revelator's alpha and omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the one that Herod could not kill, the one that Satan could not entice with sin, and the one that arose the third day victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Amen. Hallelujah. He defied the law of reproduction. He defied the law of economics when he took five loaves and two fish and fed over 5,000. In the disciples' hands, there were five loaves and two fish. But in the master's hands, they became a fast food chain. Natural law says he defied the law of chemistry when he turned the water into wine. Natural law said he defied the law of gravity when he ascended into heaven. Natural law says, I know him. Let's ask somebody else if they know him. Death, do you know him? Death says, I know him. I would have had him when he was born, but Herod messed up. Then one day he was out on the sea and a storm came up. I thought I had him then, but he arose and said, peace, be still. Then one day they hung him on a cross. I jumped up behind him with my sting and he was gone. Then what happened, death? Well, I met him again. Sometime between Friday and Sunday. I reached out to grab him and he threw me on one side, he threw me on another. And before I knew it, he had taken something from me. You're ahead of me. He's taken my sting. I no longer have a sting. 
Grave, do you know him? Grave says, I know him. I know him. Said, I've got, in my rooms, I've got presidents. I've got leaders. I've got inventors. And they're all still here. What about the empty tomb grave? Well, had one man in there and he got out. Grave says, death says he took something from him. Well, he took something from me. He took my victory. Grave no longer has victory. Jesus said, turn to my person. You've heard me say this before, but I'm going to say it again. You may ask me, what can he do? Honey, he can take a ball of mud and make man. He can take a sign and make a rainbow. He took emancipator out of the river Nile. He took a shepherd's staff and made a snake. He made a freeway out of the Red Sea. He took the door of the desert and made three square meals. He made an army out of dry bones. He made an elevator out of a whirlwind. He made a preacher out of a donkey. After hearing me, you'll probably agree. Folks, he made wine out of water. He made a taxpayer out of a fish. He made the blind to see, the lame to walk, the deaf to hear. The issue of blood stopped. He made a fool out of the devil. And he's making a church out of us. Amen. That's what he can do. That's what he can do. Hallelujah. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And he wants to still make himself real unto you today and unto us if we will allow it. Folks, I want to tell you something. We have so settled down as a spirit-filled church. And we just accept things as they are. Well, it is what it is. No, it's not. It's what God says it is. It's not it is what it is. It's what God says it is. And that's what we've got to get in our spirit. God, we've got to get back to believing in the power and the workings of a supernatural God. A Jesus that's still able to perform miracles and still works and still answers prayer. And still hears us when we pray. And we've got to get these things in our spirit and say, I want to turn to his person and allow him to do the work in this situation, in my heart and in my life, in a fresh and a real way. I was doing a uh, uh, WM retreat in one of our districts in a hotel. One of the ladies came up to me before the retreat started and said, Sister Tennyson, God has promised a miracle in this retreat if we'll keep our eyes on Him. That's the secret, church. Keep your eyes on Him. I said, well, sister, you hold on to that promise, and we're going to look unto him. We're going to turn our eyes to him. Last service, WM director came up to me and said, Sister Tennyson, there's a, a grandparents in the building, and their little grandson is five years old, and he's had a stroke. He can't walk. He can't communicate. He can't use his arms. They're carrying him. And they want him prayed for at the end of the service. And I said, well, we'll be happy to do it. At the end of the service, some of the district brethren were there. I called them up on the platform, asked the grandparents to bring the little grandson up. They laid hands on that little boy. Now, a lady said, let's go back. I've heard from God. Are you hearing me? I've heard from God. And this is what he said. We went through that whole retreat, Pastor. Last service. They began to lay hands on that little boy. Honey, he started moving the right leg. Started moving the left leg. The right arm and hand. The left arm and hand. A few minutes Brother Brandon, he jumped out of that seat and said, Look, Grandma, I can walk. I want you to know we had 2,000 ladies at that retreat. They liked to have torn the place up. They were shouting. They were dancing. They were rejoicing. Oh, I mean, they got excited. And the woman that 
said, God has promised me a miracle in this retreat. That lady, I was trying to find her. I finally find, found her. And honey, she was standing on a chair, looked like raise, oh, waving a sheet. I don't know what it was. But she was on one of the chairs, just waving a sheet. Oh, just rejoicing in the Lord. But let me tell you this. After it quietened down, the grandma said, Can I say something? I said, You absolutely can. She said, uh, we're, 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 We've never been in church before in our lives. And we came in this hotel to eat. Passed the door and said, Something said out loud. Listen to me. If you'll go in there, Jesus will heal your little grandson. She said, I don't know anything about church or about God or about Jesus. But said, I told my husband, something said to me, if we would go in there, Jesus would heal our grandson. And he said, well, I'm hungry. You don't know a thing about those people. She said, well, I don't care. I'm going to go in. He said, well, I will too. And said, we came on in here. He said, y'all really get excited. And we said, yes, we do. <laughs> Let me tell you something, folks. Before they left, my grandma and grandpa both accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Both were filled with the baptism before they left that ballroom of that hotel. And whoever lived near them took their number to contact them. And I heard from that WM director not too long ago. And those precious people have led 75 of their members to Jesus. And the church where they are attending was running 300 at the time of the healing of the little grandson. And now it's running over 3,000. What am I saying, folks? When Jesus says, I'm going to do something, I make you a promise. If he has to send them from the outside to make it work, however he has to do to make it work, he will bring it to pass. And we've got to get it in our spirit and in our heart. God, I'm going to trust in your promise. I'm going to turn to your person. And I'm going to allow you to be the supernatural God unto me that you long to be. Amen? Quit limiting God. Quit limiting God. Not only do we trust in His promise, turn to His person, but we tell of our position. Where do you stand on this? He said, Martha, believest thou this? Tell me, Martha, where you stand on it. Pentecostal people, are we still believing in a God that's able? Are we still believing in a supernatural God? Tell of your position. When she began to say, yea, Lord, I believe, something began to happen. Now let me tell you something. Faith is made up of three things. Knowledge. Belief and trust. Faith cometh by hearing. That's the word of God. I receive the knowledge. Then I believe what I hear. Then I begin to trust in what I believe. It's made up of three things. Knowledge, belief, and trust. And folks, the promises of God are still intact. They're still as real if we'll stand on His Word and believe Him. But folks, we've got to believe in the Word of God. My youngest brother was the chief research engineer for the University of Kentucky for many, many years. When he went to UK to school, our dad lived, my mother was deceased, our dad lived about 85 miles from the school. Many a time, my brother would call my dad and say, Dad, I need you to deposit $100 in my account. I'm going to write a check tomorrow for $100. And my dad would always say these words, Son, write your check. It'll be good. 
tell of your position. The next day, church, my brother signed his name to a $100 check. Now, I want you to hear me. He didn't see Sister Heather. My dad put it in the bank. He didn't have a deposit slip, Pastor Debbie, in his hand. What did he have? The word of a father that loved him. He signed his name to a hundred dollar check on the word of a father that loved him. Folks, if I can have that kind of confidence in a man that can fail me at any time, how much more confidence can I have in the word of a heavenly father that cannot and will not fail me? Amen? Tell of your position. Where do you stand? I used to work for General Telephone Company. They're the only people that pay me to talk eight hours a day. When I was in the third grade, my third grade teacher said, Martha Allen, you have talked this whole year. Do you think talking's going to make your living one day? I said, we'll see. <laughs> I started working for a general telephone company. Used to work for an orange juice company, and they canned me. <laughs> said I couldn't concentrate. <laughs> Put the squeeze on me. I was a little sour about it, too. <laughs> <laughs> While I was working for General Telephone Company, that was before I married, I had a friend there, a good Christian girl, and we'd run around together, take vacations together, and one year we went to the Smoky Mountains, Gatlinburg, Tennessee, for a vacation. I had a little old green Volkswagen that had a rapture roof in it. <laughs> Got that little old Volkswagen down in the middle of the mountains. Got her motel room. Went to start that thing, and it wouldn't turn over. Dead as it could be. Well, we pushed it back to the room. And I'm upset. Down the middle of the mountains, a car that won't run. Don't know if I got enough money to get it fixed or not. So it was the day before cell phones, if you can remember those days. I walked to the first public telephone I could find, and I called my daddy. He's 300 miles away. I called my daddy, collect. The operator announces the call. I have a collect call for anyone from Martha Allen. We accept the charge. I want to stop here and say something. My daddy didn't hesitate. Why? My name was Allen. His name was Allen. 25 years I had fellowship with that man every day. Are you here? He knew me. Yeah, yeah, he knew me. And he said without hesitation, yes, I will. And when he answered, sister, I started crying. And he said, sis, what's wrong? I said, daddy, I got this car down the middle of the mountains. I don't know what's wrong with it. I don't know if I've got enough money to get it fixed or not. I don't know what to do. And my daddy said these words. You know who you're talking to. Mm. I said, yes, sir. It's my dad. And he said, honey, you call the first service station you can find. Have them to come and check your car. Find out what's wrong with it, what it's going to take to get it fixed. Call me back, and I will wire you any amount of money you need. And he said, listen to me now. I've got everything under control, and I'm not broke. Woo! Now, I want you to hear what I'm about to say. I walked to that uh, over to that payphone with my head hanging, so discouraged. Brother Rhodes, but I shouted all the way back to the motel. Now, listen to me. Circumstances hadn't changed. I'm still going to a car that won't run. Circumstances hadn't changed. What had changed? I'd heard from home. <laughs> I'd heard from home. 
And I heard from a father that said, I've got everything under control and I'm not broke, honey. Don't you worry about it. I'll take care of it. I called the first service station I could find. They came out, checked my car. My battery was dead. It cost me a dollar to get my car fixed. The phone call cost more than it did to get the car fixed. Amen. But what am I saying, folks? I heard from home. You'll have to hear from home. Circumstances may not change immediately, but when you hear from home, you'll hear a Heavenly Father say unto you, I've got it under control. I'm not broke. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I own the potato in every hill, and I know when to kill cows, and I know when to dig potatoes. Amen. Whoa! Shout a little bit now, church. He's God. He's God. He's God. Oh, we've got to say, God, I'm going to trust your promise. Turn to your person. Tell of my position. How many is holding on tonight to a promise that has not come to pass? All over this auditorium, you're holding on to a promise. That has not come to pass. How many is going through a season at this time? God, I'm going through a season. Don't understand, but I'm going through a season. Let me tell you something tonight. You hold on because the promise is about to come to pass. And let me tell you something. And I'll finish up my last point here in just a few minutes. Come on, brother. You're good. Don't you appreciate this man right here? I do. Uh, but w listen, you may be going through a season right now. But say, God, I'm not going to give up during the season. I'm not going to let go of the promise. You've made me a promise, and I'm going to hold on even during the season that seems so difficult. And let's finish up. Number four, what did he do? He said, test my power. You roll away the stone. Do you believe it enough, Martha, to do something? Folks, do you believe it enough tonight to do something? God, I believe it enough to do something. Test my power. Roll away the stone. And, and, and Martha said, he's been dead four days, but now he stinks. Let me tell you something tonight, church. The stink don't stop him. The stink of death doesn't stop him. The stink of confusion doesn't stop him. Listen, he's going to have a church. He's going to have a church. I want to be a part of him, but he's still going to have it if I'm not. I want you to hear that tonight. He is going to have a church. And the stink of anything is not going to stop God from having a church. He's dead four days, but now he stinks. Well, the stink doesn't stop him. The stink of sickness doesn't stop him. Folks, we've got to get this in our spirit. He's one that has all power in heaven and in earth and wants to make himself real unto us in a fresh way if we will allow him to do it. Get out of discouragement. Get out of depression. Get out of the uh, valley and say, God, I still believe you're God. I'm going through a season. I'm holding on to a promise. It's not come to pass, but I'm going to test your power and I'm going to roll away the stone, the hard stone of unbelief, the hard stone of doubt that's in my life. I'm going to roll that stone away and I'm going to let you enter in my spirit, in my heart and in my life and put new hope, new joy, new peace. Folks, give us peace of mind in our heart and in our soul that says, God, I know you're on the throne. I know you're going to answer and I'm going to allow you to do the work in a fresh and a real way. Shout now church. Amen. Hallelujah God. He's still God. He's still God. And we've got to get this in our spirit and in our heart. The world needs to see somebody that's got joy. They need to see somebody that has peace. Peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is the absence of fear. God's eternal peace should lie so deeply within our soul that it cannot be moved by outside forces. Peace is relational, it's not circumstantial. 
If I have peace with circumstances, my peace will be like a roller coaster. Circumstances change by the minute or the second. But my peace comes from relationship that I have with Almighty God. It's not circumstantial. It's relational. And that peace comes from Him. It's imparted. It's not anything I can dream up with mental exercise, with human thinking. But the Word says, My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives. He imparts it unto us. But it's up to us if we allow that peace to reign in our hearts and lives. God, I'm going to have peace over the circumstances. I'm going to have peace. My precious husband, and I'll tell you this, told, as I said, God said he would tell him when he was ready for him. And every time I'd take him to the hospital, he would say, not now. Not now. But the last time I took him, he said, it looks like I'm going to be going. Isn't that a relationship? When God himself will tell you it's time. Looks like I'm going to be going. But he looked at me and said these words. My departing does not release you from the call on your life. Honey, you keep preaching. You're not released from the call that's on your life. My husband had a walk with God. He had a relationship with God. And he told me when he went to the hospital, it looked like he'd be going this time. I said, Daddy, I wanted you to go home and be with me. And he said, sweetheart, I can't lose. I'm a winner anyway. If I go home and be with you, I'm a winner. If I go home to be with the Lord, I'm still a winner. He said, there's no way I can lose in this. Folks, let's have that kind of relationship and walk with Him. Say, God, I'm going to trust in your promise. I'm going to turn to your person. I'm going to tell him my position. I believe you, God. And I'm going to test your power. I'm going to roll away that stone of unbelief, of doubt in my life. Why? You see these precious young people sitting here? That one, that one. There's some right there, some there. They need to see the power of God. They need to see the power of God. Like we have seen the power of God. I want to ask you this question. How many is hungry for a move of God? Are you hungry for a fresh move of God? Church, we, we know how to do church. We do church well. But I want a move of God. I want a move of God. That people will know as I told the church this morning, that we don't have just a title, but we have a testimony that the power of God is moving among us. I'm hungry for that in a fresh way. Sing it. Just go ahead and sing, and then we'll come.